You're listening to the Man Chat Podcast, a show with two men talking about recent events and the effect they could have on men's mental health. This is Sean and Huggy, your hosts. Welcome to another special guest interview uh, today, the third one in our series of interview. Um, and we're even more excited, aren't we, Huggy? And we've, we've been before each one, we get more and more excited. We are indeed. Definitely. And today we are joined by the fabulous Susie. Welcome to the podcast, Susie. Hi there. How are Hi, you doing today? Susie, thank I'm, you. I'm good. I'm, I'm very honoured that you said you're getting, you're, you're even more excited than you oh, have been. So you probably oh, yeah. said that one, but I'll take it. Oh no, definitely. You can listen back to the other ones. We haven't said that yet. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> this is unique. Um, so yeah, we've got Susie joining us today um, to talk to us a bit more about yeah, your work in the mental health space, what you do, and a little bit more about your journey and your story. Um, so yeah, to kick us off, Susie, do you, want, do you want to give us just a quick introduction for our, our listeners so they can learn a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Susie Weaver, and I have a blog called So Happy in Town, acronym being S-H-I-T. Um, am, I allowed to, am I allowed to swear on this? Oh, or? always allowed okay, to swear. Okay, because I'm sitting yeah. here in a t-shirt which says it's okay to feel shit, because that's the whole <laughs> behind my campaign, which is all about raising <laughs> mental health awareness and money primarily for young minds um it's something i feel passionately about myself and being through mental health struggles from my so it hit me first in my early 20s and back then in the 90s you know there was just huge stigma so it was an incredibly sort of dark lonely lonely time and then more recently through my work as a teacher and as a parent you know i've experienced it firsthand um in my personal life, seeing, seeing you know, a loved one who's in a really young age struggling with their mental health. And obviously now with everything that's gone on with the pandemic, young people are unfortunately needing more support and help than ever. So 100% from every t-shirt and hoodie sold with this lovely, it's okay to feel shit, big slogan on it goes towards young minds. And we have raised nearly £35,000 so far. Wow. So, wow. And honestly, thank you so much. Thank you. I thought when I started this, the reason I started was I just I just wanted to do something. I really, really wanted to help other families, other people feel less alone and know that it's it's okay. And I did. I thought, well, I'll use my SHIT from the blog and say that it's okay to feel shit as in it's okay, not that it's okay at all when you're feeling like that, because it's absolutely awful and you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy, but it's okay because there's nothing to be ashamed about and it's it's really good to talk about it. And I thought, well, I'll put it on a t-shirt and if I sell 10, absolutely great, you know, to friends and family. And it's kind of just snowballed. So I'm, I can't even believe when I say the figure because the support has been absolutely incredible. So that is a fantastic amount and we will put a link on this one as well yeah. so that anyone that's listening to it can check the description and, and join a great cause and you've had some massive names as well haven't you yeah. uh, join you i was having a flick through the instagram uh, you had simon pegg um and yes. joe marler as well haven't you who's sort yeah. of the biggest one that's that surprised you so joe marler was just very the one swan actually <laughs> <laughs> When Joe said he'd do it quite, he, you know, really early on. So that was incredible. And obviously Joe Marner has talked a lot about his own mental health struggles. And he's, he's really opened it up to men that it's, you know, someone, you look at Joe Marler, he's a big, you know, muscular, amazing elite athlete. And I think 
we all wrongly presume people like that have everything, you know, they're so brilliant at what they do, they have no problems, they have a great life. And he's been amazing at speaking openly about the fact that, you know, he has really, really had some dark times. So I think to get him on board was awesome. And I had a lot of men after after he did it contacting me just saying, you know, obviously from the rugby community, they've never ever talked about it before and it was the first time they felt that it was okay so that was that he that was amazing so then I got quite a few rugby players on the back of him Simon Pegg yeah I was very very excited to get Simon Pegg and again he did it he did it no problem you know got the t-shirt did it the next day the other one I'm very very excited about is Ray Winston that was wow yeah yes that's class that was that was great yeah um love to get I've had a few footballers love to get some more footballers but it's incredible that these guys have done it because like I said you think they have it all and they they, you know they're they're so successful but you know they're all just trying to spread this message that you know anyone no matter where you're from you know you can you can be hit by mental health struggles and we all have mental health you know it's something that we all born with it's just a fat like physical health and it's it's really really good to talk about it yeah, it definitely it shows that support. And like you say, it's such an easy message to get behind, right? I think the t-shirts are fantastic. It's okay to feel shit. And yeah, it's, it's no surprise that people have jumped on that. I'm helping you support that. And a little bit more into your story then, Susie, you said you, you struggled to talk about a younger age. I can't believe that you were 20 in the 1990s. I know we've met on Zoom, but you still look like you're in your 20s from here. And so, yeah. <laughs> Got the airbrush effects on. Um, <laughs> But yeah, what happened? Because a lot of our listeners are, are around that sort of twenties, mid twenties age um, yeah. to, to the podcast. Like, what what was your story back then? If you don't yeah, mind sharing, well, you know, I had a very you know great childhood. Um, was very lucky, a loving family. Um, went off to St Andrews University. Was having a great time. Really, you know, if you if you'd ask, you know, put it on paper, there was absolutely, you know, everything was going swimmingly. Um, I had friends, I was doing well in my studies, I was having great social life. And kind of literally out of nowhere, I got struck with these horrendous um, panic attacks. I didn't know what was happening to me. Uh, I thought I was, you know, I thought I was dying. I was in and out of hospital. No one had ever, ever talked to us at school then about mental health. It was, uh, I'd never even heard those words. It was very, very wrongly, perceived to be anything to do with uh, a mental illness or mental struggles was, was someone who you know was a bit weird and I'm not saying that I mean, this is not the right language at all but that's what we were we were kind of led to believe you know a bit of yeah. a bit fruit cake not quite right so I just didn't know what was happening to me and um, also so alongside that came you know terrible depression so it was a really really dark time and I I couldn't really talk to anyone because nobody talked about these things at all and this went on for months um so it was yeah loneliest time of my life and I the other thing with it of course you always feel like everybody else is absolutely fine you feel like the whole world (laughs) are coping brilliantly and you're the only one who's going through this and since I have talked about it in the it's just in the last few years really that I've kind of openly talked about it on my blog and through the campaign so many of my friends who I was at university with came you know have contacted me saying oh my goodness I had no idea I'm so sorry 
you know, you, I, you masked it very well, but also I've, I've struggled too. And I couldn't talk to anyone. I wasn't having mm-hmm. a great time. You just think, Oh my God, if we, if we'd all talk to each other, it could have yeah. helped so much. That's why I feel so passionately about, about um, helping youngsters or anyone really know that it is really okay to talk. And, you know, if you, if you approach a friend who, who's a caring person and say, you know, I'm, I'm actually not okay. I'm really struggling. It, none of us would ever say I don't want to I don't I'm not interested sorry you know you just wouldn't so but it's yeah. it's a huge hurdle I know to get to get over it's easier said than done but I, luckily I did talk to my mum in the end and um she got me to my GP and she said my mum had said to me I, th- I think you have depression and I was very kind of I do not have anything wrong with me mentally you know, I have no mental illness that's absolutely not what this is that is yeah. not me that is not and then sure enough got to the GP and I was very lucky it was a lovely family GP and I sat in there for an hour and, and just you know talked and talked and talked and cried a lot and he he explained to me that this this is this is okay this is normal it's just your serotonin levels are, are dropped and he sort of explained it in a medical way which helped me as a 21 year old not think there was anything wrong with me of course there wasn't anything wrong with me at all it it happens to so many people but and then um that really helped me start getting out this that really dark place so that that was my my own experience back then and sort of I'm very aware of my mental health now obviously and I'm very aware that I can dip in and out of um depression and I think it's always there kind of on my shoulder but I I really know how to manage it now and I kind of know the signs if I'm sort of slipping down that that road so um but yeah so that's that was my own experience now you you mentioned that you approached your mom and you spoke to her about it and then she took you to the gp for maybe listeners that are at that stage where they can feel something's wrong and they maybe want to go and talk to someone how did you maybe approach that subject with your mom or you know how did you go to her and maybe start that conversation because like you said and like we all know starting the conversation is the hardest part once oh. you've begun, it's then you realize that everyone has been through it or they are understanding. No one's going to laugh at you. No yeah. one's going to say anything to you. So, so how did you start that conversation with your mum? Yeah, really, really difficult. In fact, I didn't really start it. Um, she pretty much started it with me, but I was had been, you know, communicating with her for a long time about, you know, not feeling right, having these outer body experiences. Anyone who has had panic attacks they'll know what I'm talking about this sort of you're you're not really there you're looking at yourself it's it's very unnerving um and and, you know so I was sort of talking to her about all this and she was obviously starting to think okay this is this is not right at all and I think it's something to do with you know Susie's mental health and so after a while she eventually said to me I really think you need to see the doctor I really think you know you can't you're not going to get out through this yourself and I think you possibly have depression so luckily she kind of approached me and I've just done a mental health first aid course actually which for anyone out there it's an absolutely amazing thing to do it just sort of equips you and helps you kind of if you were to if you were thinking someone the workplace or one of your friends was struggling and and one of the first things is that approach and, and it's sort of how to approach which is you know you have to be careful don't you some people are very they don't want to talk but if you if you think something is not right with someone it's just that gentle approach you know how are you um are, you don't seem yourself at the moment and and they might be like oh, I'm absolutely fine I'm fine and then just 
but you no, know, really, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, so she, I was fortunate that she did approach me, but I was still quite defensive with, with her at first about it. And then, oh, you know, like you said, Huggies, once I talk, once we started talking, it was like the, the best thing yeah. I could have done. And it was like this weight. I mean, it wasn't all gone. Of course, it was a long recovery. It was, it was months and months, but just that initial weight coming off your shoulders going, I'm actually not alone. I, you know, there, there is someone, there are people here to support me. That's great. That's, yeah. And like you say, you know, it's lucky that someone was able to spot that. And I think a, a great thing for the mental health first aiders, I know that's a, a popular program in the, the corporate world. So yeah, if your, yeah. your company offers it, you know, make sure to take it up and, and learn right yeah. about how you can approach those topics and, and be, mm-hmm. I suppose, sensitive, but probing, isn't it? Is it sort Definitely. of the, the way you want to go. You don't want to, dive straight into people and be like tell me what's wrong with you tell me what's yeah. wrong with you. It, like you yeah. say people can get defensive especially if they're not ready to open up but it's finding that right balance so that you feel comfortable to yeah and one of the big crack things, a little exactly what i got from that course which oh, i think we all know anyway but is just a big big thing is just listening and my mum, I remember she just listened and that GP, he just listened and it wasn't giving advice or how to fix it because that is not what's needed in that, in that situation when you're, you're sort of approaching someone or they're talking. It's just knowing that you're being heard and you're not being sort of like ostracized that you think you might because, oh my God, what, you know, what she's, what she's talking about. It's, it's that just, no, I'm here for you and I'll listen and I'm here to support you. We can get through this together. And I think that feeling is so valuable to someone who's struggling. Yeah, a key, a key bit of advice more. there yeah. with you on that. And looking back now, so you've started talking about it more, more recently. I and mean, then looking back to those periods where the panic attack started and where you were at uni, when you look back now, can you identify anything that was happening in your life? Any like, and they're partying too much or was it stress of uni financial worries or anything like that that you think came together to to start that or was it literally just one day you woke up and it was like oh this has happened well actually that's a very good question I say I think it came from nowhere it felt like that certainly at the time but when I do look back I was partying a lot you know I was, I was 21 I was I was working in a bar I was also it was in the holidays actually in the summer holidays I was sort of working in a bar every night I was also working in an office every day because you know it's like right as a student you, you skin you've got no money <laughs> just yeah. trying to get pay off student loans and all that stuff and um I it was just you know I just kind of broke I suppose well it wasn't breaks I wasn't broken but you know I, it was just too much so yeah it was I think I think that certainly contributed to um to to the panic attacks and, and what happened yeah yeah the burnout of trying to trying yeah. to fit everything in at uni and I mean yeah. Huggy, you worked throughout uni as well didn't you like balancing uni uni life and also a job on the weekends yeah. and whenever you could did, did you feel that sort of sense as yeah. well when you look back at uni yeah at one point I had three part-time jobs um was social sec of the rugby club and was doing my studies mm. so it, find, finding the time and having the pressure to do that as well and I, I was um so I went to university a bit later Susie so I went into first year a bit blinkered thinking it was going to be very easy and I actually ended up failing first year I failed a couple of modules and I had to repeat it so my second year I had a lot of free time so I stacked myself up with a lot of jobs social sec responsibilities and then also being around the house but 
I was in a house with, there was nine of us in a house and I was looking at all my friends and I don't think anyone else had a job in the house. So I was looking at me going, what, what, what's wrong with me? Why have I, first of all, why have I failed first year? Secondly, why, you made why that, have I... Because you made that playlist, mate. We've because, already been because, over because, that. Yeah, the playlist because one that of the mistakes was I thought I didn't really have to do that much work. I hadn't done exams. <laughs> I haven't done exams for seven years before going to university. I thought, it's all right. I don't need to revise. But I know that now looking back. But when I was in that situation, I was going, why have I failed? Why do I need these jobs when my friends don't have to? Why have I put this pressure on myself? And I felt it every day. And like, for me, it used to be every Saturday morning, I'd get up early and walk to John Lewis whilst the rest of the house were asleep. And I hope you're thinking, why can't I just be like, why am I so different? But I think now I'm older and I can look back at that. I can see everyone's different. Everyone comes from a different walk of life. And it built my character, I think, over the next couple of years of doing that. And, you know, it's stead me in good stead for the work that I'm doing now. Is I'm, I'm, I've now got the skills to be able to multitask and to have a lot on my plate um, and organize a very good piss up if needed. So. <laughs> most importantly. Yeah. Yeah. Most, yeah. Most important one out of the lot there. The other yeah, thing I was but... going to say, actually, I don't know if you felt, you guys felt the same at that sort of time in your life that you were doing all this sort of studying, partying. And I certainly wasn't doing self care. I know people kind of roll their eyes at this self care where we hear a lot now, but it is so vital and it's it's only now that I'm older yeah I realize how important it is and I think when you're that age you just you just don't so much do you and you don't look after yourself you don't sort of think what is going to be good for mental health like now I make sure I exercise every day it's like therapy but back then you know yeah a lot of drinking going on a lot of you know then going out to work or studying and you're not giving yourself that time to sort of recharge no and that that was one thing that I found sort of spiraled in second year because I only had two lectures. I had a lot of free time. So I was going out three or four times a week. So I needed those three jobs <laughs> to be able to pay for me to go to that. But I never had time to myself to just mm. sit back, relax and think, okay, what could I do instead? Or yeah. how, how else can I better what I'm doing? Or like maybe just recharge my brain batteries um, because I felt like I had to be going out and keeping myself busy or seeing people um, because I think a lot of it was, although I was in a house of nine, I felt very alone because I felt like my situation was a lot more different because I had to keep within a group because I was one older, because two, I was repeating second year. I felt like my house, which had all progressed into second year, I needed to stay in with them because I didn't want to lose them as friends because they're the guys which I'd grown closest to in first year. But then I also had my new year who I had to also become very close to who were going out a lot because they were freshers in this this day and age, but they were 18 and I was now 26. Mm. And it was, I was the older guy going out with them. So I kind of felt like I had to act up, but act down as well. So I was, I found it very, very difficult in second year, but I've never really spoken to any of the boys about that, that I kind of felt like I was a bit in limbo where I had to stay very connected to both sets of parties because I didn't want to leave either. Because I knew it'd come to a stage where the boys that I lived with would graduate and then I'd be left without some. I was fortunate enough that a couple of the boys stayed on to do masters uh, and Griff will just never leave university because he's studying <laughs> medicine and now he's going into dentistry. So he's going to be at uni for like 30 years. Um, so I could still live, with, I could have still lived with him. I could have repeated second, third, fourth, <laughs> um, and still had a housemate. But it, it, that, that was a big trigger for me in second year was I was scared of the 
pressures of having these two sets of groups and staying within them and having to think about Christ, I'm 26 and I'm repeating first year. What am, what am I doing in my life? What have, mm. I, have I made a huge mistake? Am I not cut out to going back into education? But the one good thing with university, not that I ever took it, but Cardiff has a really good support system um, for people which are suffering. But again, like you said, I didn't feel like I ne- I was at that stage where I needed to go and call somebody or go and sit with somebody. It was more, I just needed to, I thought, to cope with it, go out, <laughs> which looking back now with my older head on, <laughs> no, that didn't, that didn't help at all. <laughs> it absolutely did not help. It just made things a lot worse. But you, you, you touched on earlier that um, within school, you kind of felt that there was something there. Do you, do you find that there was no support pillars within schools? Do you find nowadays that you think that there are, cause you, you've got children now, do you know if, yeah. if they have that support there, if, if ever they felt it? Yeah, it's so much better now. It, and the, the kids do talk about it more. Like I've heard, I've got two teenage daughters and a younger boy, but the girls, they talk about oh, people going off to see the counsellor and they don't bat an eyelid, which is great. They are very aware, certainly at the schools they're at, about mental health. And they talked a lot about, you know, emotional well-being and how to look after your mental health and to reach out, you know, if, if you are struggling. I think the stigma is still very much there, as I think it will possibly always be with young people because nobody wants to be that person. But it's it's great the way they they do some of them do talk about it and um, I mean it's the, we've come on leaps and bounds in that way I know that it's it's completely up to the school at the moment I think on what they kind of program they have in place for mental health I would love to see you know it being part of the curriculum I know that a lot of people are campaigning for that just you know that's what it is as in physical education yeah. mental health yeah. education is just it, part of what you do but the moment it's kind of yeah it's it's up to each school how they do it I think some schools are obviously better than others um I think some schools probably doing very little but definitely since the pandemic people are doing a lot of work young minds particularly are are, you know campaigning the gov to the government to to get mental health in the curriculum in in every single school I think that's such a a good a good shout like like you say there it should be aligned with PE in in the sense of you look after you know, I mean, the body and the mind are almost one, right? If one's not working, the other isn't going to work eventually. At some point, you can only yeah. push one as far. And I think back to that point on being a young person growing up, I don't think I ever knew really what mental health was until, yeah, until I was probably about two, three years ago where I actually started to think about mental health as a thing rather than just, uh, oh, if you've got mental health, it's it's only if you're depressed or it's only if you're, you know, if you're suicidal or that is all mental health is. It isn't how am I feeling today? How have I got the energy to get up? How does this situation make me feel? And, you know, going through those, like you say, trying to look after yourself in more ways than just have I eaten healthy and been to the gym? It's how do I feel mentally? Do I need to take that mm. time away? Do I need to take that break? Or how, how do I manage that? So I think that's great to see that there is a movement um, for, for younger people. And, you know, that's ultimately the age you need to start it at and, and build those behaviours in, don't you, when they're younger? yeah have less pressures but i think that is probably a tricky one and, and you might be able to expand more on that susie on how do you break that stigma in kids because i remember when i was a a young lad at, at school it was sort of you know it wasn't a rough school but it was the, it was the you know the the local school and it was sort of 
I suppose, a, an attitude of bully or get bullied, I think. And I think Joe Marler mentions that as well in his documentary. Um, it's, it's sort of you go into school, you don't want to be the one that's picked on, right? And in our school, we had this thing where your tie, uh, your collar of your shirt had to be tucked into your jumper. And if it wasn't, everyone called you names. And it's like, even before you stepped out out of your house at what your year seven, you're what, 13 years old, you're like, oh my God, is my is my collar in? And your mum's like, why have you tucked your collar in? Like, no, 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 mum, my collar's got to be in. And you've got that pressure already because you don't want to be the kid that's got it out. And yeah, how do you think, how does it go down with, with those sorts of groups? Or what do you think mental health can be positioned as to really break through those those yeah. I suppose school stereotypes I think yeah I think it's really really hard because like I said before even as much as they they're aware of it kids now they're talking about it more they still many of them don't want to be that that one who because mm. you think you know I've talked to my girls about it, you think everyone else is is doing brilliantly there's still that concept that you are the only one who might be struggling and they all they're all coping with you know everything's just swimming and unicorns and rainbows and hunky-dory and <laughs> it's of course not true so I think that is a real problem I think personally I think what would help is if you start at primary school level talking just talking about mental health um like you were saying people have wrongly thought the words mental health immediately mean mental illness like they mean depression mm. and oh I don't want to talk about mental health but actually like you said mental health is like physical health is a fact we all have it like it's your emotional well-being it's just it's yeah. just something that we all literally are born with so just I think educating children that young not in a not in a scary daunting way in a good way in a positive way that we can all look after this this thing like we can look after our physical health we need to look after our mental health and if you start early on like even as young as you know year one year two just talking about this hopefully i mean there's always going to be those kids unfortunately who who do give people grief about things and it's just mm -hmm. yeah but if you start early yeah, putting those sort of sowing those seeds hopefully by the time they get older they'll just be a lot more equipped and a lot more aware of their mental health and a lot more, you know, not judgmental about it. Yeah. It makes it a normal subject, doesn't it? Mm. And like you said, I think the equipment thing is so good because yeah, that's only something I've learned recently. Um, I don't know about you, Huggy, and with how you feel like if you, or if you feel you're equipped to, to deal with your mental health or when that happened for yourself. No, I don't, I don't think by any means that I'm equipped to be able to, help myself or help others but I think I now understand the some of the telltale signs and I, I can feel it some days when I'm I'm feeling low and I, and I'll say to Amanda I'll say to my girlfriend I'm just I'm just feeling quite low today and I maybe six months maybe even a couple of weeks ago I might not have been able to say that these, these podcasts for one has helped because us talking about it and talking to other people about it I think you realize just how much this happens to everyone and that it is just a, a normal aspect of life that someone may suffer but I, I, I just think like you said Susie if, if the tools were put in place at an earlier age it would help people as they grow older because it would just become second nature you look at oddballs uh, the men's charity around testicular cancer that's a health matter but they're huge within schools about educating boys to start feeling themselves sooner to notice sooner mm -hmm. why aren't they doing stuff like that about mental health going into primary secondary schools and doing talks we had a talk with tom from blokes charity uh earlier this week and he he was brilliant and he's actually going to start going into schools to talk about mental health and 
I think that's what needs to start happening is tackle the stigma at a very young age so that by the time they're in their 20s, 30s, it's second nature that they just turn to a friend or a family member and just say, you know what, I'm really struggling today. I I could just do a chat or last night I cried and this is why. Like, I just think that's what needs to happen is we need to educate at a younger age to help remove that stigma. Yeah, especially for for boys and young men and men of all ages. I mean, it's when you said the huggy, you know, you can say to your girlfriend, you know, I'm actually a bit low. I mean, that's that's huge because you think about mm. how many men can actually say that. I think it's it's brilliant that you can talk openly. And I think so many men and boys have been made to feel, haven't they, that they, you really should never ever be anything but you know strong and you know like you know. They, so man up that awful phrase you know, man up and yeah. the amount of times it. you hear that oh it's, yeah. it's horrendous isn't it um, yep. and but you know what a lot of rubbish what a lot of crap yeah. i mean whoever you are male female you know it, it doesn't make any difference it's just something that you know it's really good to talk about but i think it is still unfortunately very hard for for a lot of yeah lot of men and I'll admit, a couple of weeks, probably before we started this podcast, I was very much a closed book with her. She would say, Are you okay? And I'd just go, yep, fine, mm. fine. And she is fantastic. She's very supportive. She's always there. And if I do so, turn to her and say, now, actually, I'm feeling a little bit low, she'll be like, okay, well, do you want to talk? Yeah. Still nine times out of 10, I'll be like, no, it's okay. I'll be all right. Give me, give me five minutes or I'm just going to take the dog for a walk and I'll come back and I'll be okay. But she's just an awesome support system. Um, and I'm fortunate in that sense, but I feel for people that maybe don't have that or have maybe someone that they don't feel they could speak to or haven't got to that stage where they feel they could, because I'm only like it since starting these podcasts and Sean and I talk pretty much every single day <laughs> and both of us are like, how are you getting on? And we're both very open with each other now, but we were never like that at university, were we? Oh, no, we lived together. Not. And you'd just be like, right, mate. And you'd be like, yeah, okay. And then you would just go to your room for two days and no one would ever come check on you. <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah. I, I, yeah. It I definitely just think... becomes easier to be more open the more you understand who you mm. are and yourself. And I think that that's why, you know, it's usually people, and, and Susie, we spoke about this just before we start recording, isn't it? It's, it's people that usually have been through stuff that are able to talk about and share with it because they usually have the greatest self-awareness because you've been through it, you understand yourself and therefore you can share that and you become comfortable with, with who you are in, in that sense. You can be like, well, I know who I am. I know how my mental health is. I'm not afraid to admit that today was bad or today was great, or this is going on because you've got that self-awareness. So Mm. it's definitely that education piece is so huge in getting that conversation started. And you mentioned there that you, you started, was it four years ago that you started the, the SHIT. I don't want to call it the shit blog. What's is it called? The shit blog. Someone What's its actual it. name? Someone called me the shit lady the other day. They literally called me the, <laughs> no that, um, that shit lady. And go, oh my god, that's basically who I am now. The shit lady <laughs> or the shit t-shirt lady is the other one I get. Um, <laughs> I started it. I think it was three years ago, and I did a first campaign with a a small slogan because I thought I was feeling a bit more kind of um, apprehensive about the shit thing going on people's boobs and yeah. chess and that first one Joe Marley did as well he kind of kicked that one off and that went so well and I had a bit of a break and then people kept asking you know you're gonna do it again and I just thought right I'm gonna go big so I just thought I'll, yeah. I'll see how it goes and I'll go big and I went different colors and and um 
yeah so that was so I did one sort of for a few months then so altogether it's about yeah it's about three years and of mm. course the pandemic happened and the momentum grew and grew because everyone pretty much was having shit days or shit you know shit week yeah. or whatever so everyone no matter if they'd had any struggles before or not we could really relate to it um so it really took off then yeah the pandemic's definitely brought it close hasn't it the, mm. the topic of mental health like, i think it's the first time i've ever seen politicians i mean not that they're in the news for many good things these days but i think when they stood outside and were talking about the country's mental health and mm. hear your your country leader actually talking about it is uh is a good thing minus all the other things that they're oh, sure i think man, <laughs> i think matt hancock's had a great lockdown to be fair don't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he's, he's definitely not had a bad one has he judging by the videos <laughs> no. which has probably been my favorite thing this week on twitter all the different memes um, i've been keeping up with all of them but they are fantastic and uh susie what in, what inspired you then to start your your campaign three years ago what was i suppose the turning point in, in getting your message and your story out there I just felt really, I'd, I'd, I'd published a post on my blog and it was the first time I talked about my story and I really wanted to help other people realise they weren't alone. I was really nervous about pressing that publish and even my mum actually then, even though she'd been amazing at supporting me, she's still that generation where you don't really talk about these things to other people, you know, you pretend yeah. everything is okay. And she said to me, I remember... Um, you know, are you sure you really want to do this and you really want, you know, other people to know? And I was like, well, that's the whole point, you know, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. why I want to do it. So I did I did that and the, the response I had was um, really phenomenal and touching. And from people, like I said to you before, who I did know who also had been struggling and we'd never, none of us never talked about it or who hadn't realised I'd been struggling. People and lots of people that I didn't know who were just thank, you know, saying thank you for talking about it and it's made me feel better and hopefully I'll be able to find it easier to talk about it too and I just thought you know there's so many people out there who just sort of want to know that it's okay and I just thought what should I do what can I do to get this message out there I could you know you could I could run a marathon well I don't know if I could run a marathon if I could try <laughs> something like that you know and do a one-off yep. thing and try and raise money Young Minds has obviously been a great support to us as a family so I contacted them and they were kind of like, yeah, whatever you want to do, we're totally behind them. They're a really great charity for anyone out there. So it's for um, under children up to the, under 25, so young adults as well. And there's so yeah. much support um, there if you go onto their website. But I then thought, right, I've got this blog that's so happy in town. It spells out shit and it's okay to feel shit. I'm going to go with it because that's <laughs> what it's all about. And I was a bit nervous about the whole, you know, bit sweary thing and but this 14 year old girl actually said to her mum she'd been suffering with really bad anxiety and she went but but her mum had asked her about the slogan she went but it is shit there's no no other word for it that's how it is it feels you know it feels shit um so I just thought right I'm gonna do it and um yeah I thought if uh, I think I said to you already I thought if I sold 10 t-shirts and yeah raised 50 quid it'd be brilliant and actually it just kind of it just kind of yeah, it's that domino effect. But having celebrities yeah. on board has really, really helped get that because obviously they've got huge audiences and get that word out there. Um, yeah. All different ages, it's 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 touched. And, and a lot of conversations have been opened up between parents and their kids, actually, because, you know, how come you're wearing that naughty word in your T-shirt? And then it's just opened <laughs> yeah. up, you know, it's opened yeah. up with my own 10-year-old yeah. boy about mental health and 
how it's okay to talk about it. That's great. Yeah, you can't you can't really hide it, can you? It's not it's not one of those outfits that you can sort of put your coat on and try and sneak past your parents. And you know, you walk downstairs to the dinner table wearing that, you've got to be expecting questions, which is I suppose the fantastic part of it as well, right? It serves two purposes, not just to yeah. support and show the support for young minds, but also it does get the conversation started and shows as an ambassador to anyone else that you meet in the street. Um, you know, if I saw someone wearing that, I'd be like, oh, fair, let's, let's find out what, what what's going on here. So yeah. I think it's fantastic. Sometimes simple is always better, um, yeah. especially with these issues. Uh, yes, yeah, so Susan, in your experience in, throughout your life, for, for our listeners, to you, what is good mental health? When you have good mental health, I'd say it's when you feel like you can cope with your everyday life. You can cope pretty well. You're, you feel optimistic. You know, you're not you're not feeling guilty about things. You're not feeling particularly worried. We all have little worries and anxieties, but that's everyday life. You feel able to set goals. You just feel generally good about yourself. You've got good self-esteem. I'm not saying you're flourishing and you're flying high all the time in that yep. dream world, but you know, you're just <laughs> kind of, you're just kind of getting through life and you're feeling good and you're productive and, you know, you just, you can contribute to your, community you can you can communicate you're interested in doing things and that's what i think of as when your your mental health is good and healthy um that's a, that's a very good answer and i like that we ask all our, our interviewees this question and i like that every single one's been different so far it. so it's, it's great and i think that's a a really good one i think uh, a word i use quite often is vibing just vibing yeah that's that's exactly what i was yeah in a nutshell it's just you're flowing just through life yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. And and how do you keep your mental health then in that good state? What are some of the things you do? I, yeah, exercise for me is key. Um, I've actually badly sprained my ankle uh, a few weeks ago on some heels, um, some cocktails. It is my own fault, completely self-inflicted. Okay. So, Huggy's been there before, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, those, high heels, those high heels are a bugger. <laughs> Was it wedges for you as well? They're, they're oh, the no, I go, to, I go, no, I go proper stiletto. Stiletto. You know, stiletto. stiletto. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I went right over on it, and I haven't been able to do any exercise for like the last four weeks. And I went to physio today, and she said, you know, you can start getting back on the bike. And like so, yes because I've really <laughs> noticed um you know I've noticed the effects for me of not doing it and I've always I've been aware for the last few years of just how much I sort of um I need that and it just picks me up and even when I'm feeling I'm really kind of there if I just go yeah. and do something go to the gym or go on the bike whatever just you know it gets those endorphins going doesn't it and so yeah. um that for me is key I I meditate every day that's something I started doing the last few years which again I find wonderful and has made me feel aware of being a lot more mindful in my life and just just slowing down and just being more present and again I know it's easier said than done it's it's it takes a lot of practice to try and you know do that in your everyday life we're all so kind of busy and caught up with what we've got to do but um sleep I'm not good I think like everybody I'm not good when I haven't had good sleep trying to go to bed you know at the same time just keep us routine which again when I was struggling my my mental health in my early 20s like us all the students you know that just goes out the window doesn't it you know I'm up <laughs> yeah. all hours and sleeping you know and I know that's just the way it is at that time in your life but now I know how important that is you know to get a good kind of eight hours sleep and um yeah eating healthily drink lots of water you know the, the things that we all kind of know but I certainly slip back into 
bad habits and have to remind myself um and talking talking to my family talking to my husband talking to friends you know for me i am a i am a real naturally communicator i i i want to talk i want to tell people how i feel and i want to talk to them in the same way i want to hear how other people are um so i find that that really helps me yeah no i think that's some really solid advice in the it's like doing the doing the everyday things well isn't it and, and making sure they're um we had Danny on uh, a couple of weeks ago and he was saying, you know, he's got to keep his plate spinning is the way he likens it to like, like you say, your sleep, your food, your exercise. If, you, if you've got the staples of a, of a, I suppose, what should be a typical human existence and, and not the partying that we, I suppose, become used to, right? When we're, if you think about it, your lifestyle from 18, well, maybe it depends where you're from. From my age, it was about 14. You're out on a Friday night already, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're doing you're doing the wrong things, and then you go into uni. That's a three year that um, you know you're just happy to make it out of by the end of the three years. But then you become an adult or in a working job where you've suddenly gone from working all hours of the day or not having any money to I've got a wage now. I'm still living away from home and I'm still in the uni mindset because I'm, I'm so young. And again, your, your lifestyle isn't the best and it, it definitely can catch up on you. Like you say, if, if you don't take those measures to, to sort things out at an early stage. I still like to party sometimes though. And I still, yeah. and then the next day, yeah, I can really feel my mental health is too rosy the next day. <laughs> without a no. doubt. But yeah, it's yeah. good to have, it's good to have the odd night out, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I think it's blow off some steam. It's, it's yeah. important. Yeah, definitely. Especially in those teals. <laughs> yeah, I'm going, you know what? I'm I'm going flats now. Maybe my heels. Oh, are no. Maybe they're over. What do you think, Huggy? Are you still going to get the heels out? Oh yeah, they're they're out every Saturday. <laughs> yeah, you never look great in my mini skirt. I was thinking maybe that's it. They're just telling me something. I need to just keep my trainers on. No, never. definitely not. <laughs> I just need to strengthen the ankles. That's what it's telling you. Nothing about the uh, nothing about the footwear at all. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that's been a, a really uh, a great chatting to you, Susie, and, and great to sort of hear about the work that you're doing. Um, so we, you know, anyone that's listening, please check out Young Minds. Check out uh, shit, and we will uh, put all the links to everything in the description as well, so people can see them. You know, purchase a T-shirt, support the cause, and uh, yeah, I think that's been really great chatting to you, Susie. It's been some great advice there. Um, and I, yeah, I, I feel you, wiser Susie. from listening to you as well. Um, oh, so thank you very yeah. much for your time. Thank you so that much for having me on. I think what you guys are doing is is brilliant and just great getting the word out there to to other men of all ages that, you know, it's really, really good to talk and, um, yeah, kind of communicate and just look after each other and check in on each other. Yeah, and it is okay to feel shit. It is okay to feel shit. <laughs>